0: And welcome to Skynight Today's Last Week in AI podcast, where you can hear AI researchers chat about what's going on with AI. As usual, in this episode, we'll provide summaries and discussion of last week's most interesting AI news. You can also check out our Last Week in AI newsletter at lastweekin.ai for articles we did not cover in this episode. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Sharon Joe. And I
1: am your other host, Andre Krankov. Before we get into it, I just want to give a quick shout out to a couple of reviews we got on Apple Podcasts. It's really Ooh. fun to see. Yeah. Uh, one of them says uh, a great AI resource. It's by a law professor who does a lot of work in AI and thinks that the podcast is chatty, but not superficial and a great way to stay up on the latest developments in AI Very and machine cool. learning which is, yeah, so fun. Uh, And then uh, another review that was just a couple of days after that is by a PhD student in AI who says that uh, he mostly sees news from reading research papers. So hearing us give a high level overview of the big AI news from a week is very refreshing and is a way to hear a broader perspective. And he tells us to keep up a good work. (laughs) (laughs) so i guess we'll try to do that
0: Um, i'm actually really happy that uh we are catering to exactly the two groups that we were thinking about catering actually to the people who are you know want to keep up to date with AI news generally and who are not in AI and also people who are in AI but deep in the thick of it and the weeds of it and want to know a bit more about what's going on, um, which is us typically, except for when we're doing this. Yeah,
1: yeah. This is partially just because we enjoy keeping up with these things, right? So uh really cool to see these reviews. Uh if you're a listener, you know we would appreciate it if you review it and just give your thoughts why you like it uh, why you listen it's just always exciting to see this sort of feedback
0: and we give you a shout out that's
1: we right? do we'll, we'll read your thing and be like wow thank you
0: <laughs> very grateful for it
1: yeah well let's get on with it This week, we'll be discussing how Amazon uses machine learning to improve video quality on their streaming, uh, how some campaigns hope deepfake candidates uh, will get out to vote. Uh, We'll talk about yet another DeepMind uh, paper, uh, this time on deciphering uh, ancient inscriptions, and also another uh, work of research on generating and identifying propaganda. In society and ethics, we'll go into a shadowy surveillance machine in Minnesota, and some images with synthetic data for dermatology. And we'll end with some fun and neat stories uh, about deciphering pick calls and falling in love with an AI girlfriend, supposedly. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So let's get on with the first one in applications business. We got Amazon uses machine learning to improve video quality on prime video Uh, and the title pretty much uh, lets you know what this is about. It's about using machine learning to improve uh, quality of their prime streaming service where they have a lot of movies and TV shows uh it was actually based on a blog post on amazon.science uh titled how prime video uses machine learning to ensure video quality and it goes into a pretty decent amount of uh, detail so uh, at a high level uh, there is this group in prime called video quality analysis that has been using machine learning for few years to uh, find flaws. And basically, these models watch a video that is streamed and detect flaws like blocky frames, uh, dark frames, audio noise, and a bunch of other stuff like video freezes, stutters, video tearing, audio video synchronization. Um, and this blog post goes into some detail on a few of them specifically block corruption, audio artifacts, and audio visual synchronization issues. So yeah, really interesting uh, application. Um, Presumably, I guess we would have expected some of this kind of stuff, but it seems like it's really quite uh, involved how much we're using kind of custom models for various issues at this point.
0: I think this makes a lot of sense that they're doing this. I think it's cool that they publish a blog post about it, since I think a lot of us assume, you know, Netflix and the like HBO, like maybe they're looking into this a lot. Uh, But to see Amazon uh, really pushing on this is also really interesting because they have such a strong ML team. Um, So I'm excited to see where this goes. I've definitely, you know, As I mean, I'm sure all of us have seen, you know, imperfections when we watch video, but I've actually overall been a very happy customer with uh, with this kind of stuff around freezes and stutters and um, synchronization around audio video. I haven't had that many problems with.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's it's quite good these days and no doubt partially because of these sorts of technologies. Uh, Of course, there has been sort of more classical signal processing techniques, but they do miss some of the nuance that these machine learning models can get. Uh, And I also saw, curiously, uh, one of these things has been published. Uh, They have this paper, a no reference model for detecting audio artifacts, uh, that was published at WACV. So it's cool to see also that they are publishing at least some of this research. So that other, um, you know, streaming services, video providers, etc., can benefit from these ideas.
0: I will say, I think the biggest problem I have with these platforms is just sign in and two-factor authentication <laughs> taking forever. <laughs> and not exactly these problems that are, <laughs> platforms are being addressed.
1: <laughs> well, that's another team moving Amazon. You know, that's the VQA great. team, they can... They cannot help you out of that. That's right.
0: That's right.
1: But yeah, if you're a researcher, um, you know there's some more details in this blog post. They have like lip sync based on SyncNet and some other kind of things. So you might find this interesting.
0: And our next article is titled "These Campaigns Hope Deepfake Candidates Help Get Out the Vote." So Yoon Suk Yeol which who is the uh, main opposition party's candidate for the South Korean presidency, actually has an AI version of him that sounds and looks like him and gestures like him and is puppeted by his team. Um, and this AI Yoon basically is him, but slightly more mischievous to appeal to the younger voters out there. Mr. Yoon is 60. One year old, I said sixty-one year old, and uh, he's you know very stern, typically looking. Um, and so this is kind of a lighter version of him to appeal to uh, the younger voter population who are now kind of becoming this the swing voters or de- determining um, also the outcome potentially of the South Korean uh, presidential election. So that's. Really interesting, uh, you know, uh, they've shared more than 80 clips and sometimes these clips, you know, are often 30 seconds or less, so kind of like a TikTok. tock. Uh, and there has been more than 70,000 comments since uh, the debut in January. Um, you know, it, the AI and ranges in talking about uh, North Korean missile launches to talking about a K-pop girl group that the nation is fanning over. Uh, And so this AI Yoon, of course, is trained um, on Mr. Yoon, both voice and face, uh, and is controlled largely by his campaign team. Uh, However, this deepfake is actually not, it's not super perfect. Uh, It uh, hasn't, you know, it can't completely bob his head in the same way. Um, And... uh, it can't also express itself as much. It can't really laugh. Um, So thinking about, you know, previous articles that we've touched on, this technology is actually there. So they just, I think his campaign team hasn't leveraged it quite yet um, to express excitement or be sad around things. Um, But this is such an interesting, uh, such an interesting use case of deep fakes, uh, which is used, you know, in this way that is, Actually, towards the presidential candidacy very candidly, very openly. Um, and yeah, so it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I agree.
1: It's super interesting to see this because it's, you know, uh, it seems to be like a very large investment. Like it's, they're using this a lot and they, you know, really developed this technology and are uh, posting a lot on social media. And, uh, you know, his opponent at first, uh, their team, you know, criticized this move as, being uh, you know um, disingenuous or something but soon after an AI version of his opponent uh, Lee Jiang Myung also <laughs> uh, emerged so uh, there's now for both of them some sort of AI uh, part where um, you know they still say uh, that the opponent's version only reads things that the real candidate says uh, in this um, for the AI Yoon as, as it's called here, uh, it seems like actually his team is writing a whole lot of stuff that um, you know very just posting on his behalf, basically right, which is a whole other interesting thing of now you know it's one thing to have an, uh, an offer for your speeches. Now um, you know you can write a speech and have this AI tell it. Uh, and really distribute the effort of messaging on different things. So, yeah, really interesting. And you have to wonder if this will become common or, or be attempted elsewhere, because in this case, it seems like definitely um, a big tool that this campaign decided to use.
0: I think what's also very striking to me is the article mentions that you know, not only is this happening, but the real Yoon, the real candidate human is actually learning from his AI counterpart by, you know, seeing which messages actually catch steam, which messages are popular. Uh, And based on that, optimizing his messages on the campaign trail um, and looking at, you know, the popularity of his online videos that are very short. So he's getting like quick feedback on them from his team scripting that. Uh, And so that's been highly effective. And I find that type of, it's like the algorithm is happening on the other side too, where they're they're very much using um, this giant A-B test. And also the fact that it is this AI form and it's explicitly this AI form that it can maybe get away with stuff that's slightly different from uh, the person itself, himself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the article notes that this uh, is meant to appeal to young voters and, yeah, basically be on social media, which is where you can get a lot of data pretty easily. Right. Uh, and it also reminds me a while ago, we talked about another use case of deepfakes where a politician in India used deepfakes to speak in different dialects uh, for different regions. So, um in that case it was sort of similar of tailoring a message to different demographics right so it does seem like there is uh you know some kind of strategic logical reason why this would be useful um and i just took a look in the article and you know it's a pretty good deepfake. fake you know it looks looks like a guy it has good speech uh, so, you know, with some work, as you said, these days, it's totally doable.
0: I looked at it too, and I actually couldn't tell which one was real or fake initially, since, uh, both were a little bit low res, or at least I think the real one is a little re- low res. And so I, I really, I couldn't tell initially, uh, but they did stress in the article that the fake one looks a little happier and less stern. I still think both of them look about the same, um, but, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it, I mean, the fact that I can't really distinguish them probably is telling. Of course, I, I don't know Korean, so I can't really vet the uh, the speech side.
1: Yeah, exactly. And yeah, also, so this looks pretty good and it's meant for social media where people probably aren't looking over it super carefully. And these are like short tidbits, as you said. And um, some of these videos just take 30 minutes to make. So you know, if there is something trending, some trending topic, the team could just put out one of these videos without having to write and record and, you know, whatever with a politician. So, very interesting, very interesting and kind of unprecedented as far as I know. And, uh, another example of deep fakes, like starting to emerge in real ways, as opposed to just discussing of how they might emerge. We've seen them being used in ads and with models uh, for, uh, you know, advertisements and now apparently in politics in a real way.
0: So just to jostle things up a little bit uh we are adding a fire round after each of our sections of headlines and a quick little quote or description of what's going on in them just so you get a little bit more coverage on ai news this past week so uh this fire round will start with the first one there's a talent shortage of machine learning engineers right now as demand for ai specialists boom so Yes, there's an ongoing shortage of ML talent um, as AI grows uh, and the pandemic also is putting a squeeze on hiring. Next one, uh, meteorite detected using drones and machine learning. So researchers have actually pinpointed the exact location of a new meteorite using drones and some AI, which saves a lot of walking.
1: And a couple more. We also have why the Andy Warhol Diaries recreated the artist's voice with AI. So, um, yeah, another group of filmmakers used uh, so-called deep fakes for a movie project, which we've seen before, one time with Anthony Bourdain. So interesting uh, reoccurrence. And last one, we have how AI can make weather forecasting better and cheaper, something we've discussed before. Uh, this one is about uh, buying a supercomputer super, super in this case. Uh, so, yeah, that's the fire round. We'll see if we keep doing this, but uh, just want to let you know some other stuff going on without getting into a whole discussion. Now, let's move on to our next set of articles, the research and advancements ones. First up, we have DeepMind's new AI model helps decipher, date and locate ancient inscriptions. Uh, so, uh, we've been talking a lot about DeepMind lately, but that's because they've been doing a lot of interesting work, uh, this one included. Uh, so they've really had a trend of collaborating with external groups on various applications of AI as opposed to sort of core AI problems. And in this case, they are looking into kind of, as the article, uh, says, restoring, uh, missing parts of Greek inscriptions, so basically figuring out which letters are missing, and then also predicting uh, the geographical location of where it came from, so things like uh, Amorgos and vicinity, Ionia, uh, uh, Northern Aegean, all these kinds of (laughs) things I don't know about, but presumably are archaeological places, and also uh, its chronological attribution of uh, kind of a distribution of is it 300 B.C., 250 B.C., etc. And uh, yeah, they collaborated with a historian. uh, Thea Somershield is a historian and machine learning expert who co-led this project along with someone from DeepMind. And uh, yeah, they they used a pretty standard transformer kind of architecture, trained it on Uh, about 80,000 Greek inscriptions labeled by historians and created a model that is somewhat accurate, 62 percent accurate in restoring letters, uh, 84, um, uh, 71 percent accurate predicting location. And uh, yeah, so sort of not exactly great, but still, I guess, in advance. And certainly, I don't think I've seen something like this. Uh, and DeepMind uh, has put a decent amount of effort into this, it looks like.
0: Yeah, I think we covered uh, a previous article somewhat you know related around uh, deciphering ancient texts. And I think here uh, it is doing that, but also doing some restoration work as well, which is really cool um and i think what's even cooler is that this technology or the the de- the method that they are putting out there is very general so it'll be able to generalize and extend to other languages as well and other ancient texts to help with decoding them and other you know writing mediums so it's it's very cool to to see this out there and also again as expected it is published in nature
1: <laughs> it is published in nature which DeepMind loves to do uh, but you know, it is. You could argue that this is meant for you know people in other disciplines as well, not just uh, machine learning people. So at least in this case, you know, it's not just for PR. Uh, there's some justification for it, and it's also very cool. They um, open sourced the code and the software for anyone to use. So I think we've seen with AlphaFold, you know, it's made a huge splash. In uh, that field of sequencing and and generally uh, a lot of problems involving protein folding. And uh, this tool was designed as a complementary tool to aid historians. And, you know, maybe it will have an impact there as well. So, really cool uh, to see this and to, you know, the trend of DeepMind really collaborating with other areas, other scientific. Um, challenges and creating, applying AI and not necessarily doing any sort of especially novel thing, but just making it uh, useful there, as we've seen just recently with uh, the plasma reactor control that was maybe a week or two ago. And uh, just a ton of stories lately about this.
0: Yep. Overall, super cool stuff. And on to our second article. Generating and identifying propaganda with machine learning. Uh, so, this is a new research and collaboration between uh, some groups in Qatar and the US. And they're actually offering a new method for identifying fake news uh, that isn't just up until now, it's just detecting, you know, is this fake or is this real, but actually fake snippets usually are combined with real sounding snippets or truthful statements. So uh, th- this group created a new new data set called Propa News, which you know leverages some of these techniques and has a data set where the fake news pieces are mixed together with truthful statements and the model still has to be able to detect this. Uh, and what's really, really cool about this is as they put together this data set, they actually made it so that They distilled it such that even humans uh, across 400 mechanical torque workers couldn't even really tell you know that they were uh, that they were fake
1: yeah yeah this is uh pretty cool um just in in the sense of uh it being different uh, from just a binary classification uh here uh having this data set that is, let's say, more nuanced, has sort of uh, hyperbole, charge statements, um, inaccurate or completely false statements, just capturing sort of the real nuance of uh, misinformation instead of um, maybe making a really um, binary sort of data set, right, where some of it is really super clean and some of it is obviously false, right? misinformation uh, takes a lot of forms. And so it's it's nice that they, um, you know, created this data set um, to really address the problem properly.
0: That said, the authors do acknowledge that because this is fake news and news in particular, that it could go out of date uh, very quickly. And so it's it's also about maybe keeping this up to date, having this data set is quite challenging uh, and as things move forward um, in terms of uh, testing things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I guess it's not surprising, but another positive thing is this is research. So it's published. It uh, was just put online a few days ago in archive. So um people can follow up on it and use this technique for generating data sets to then, uh, you know, update it. Um, And uh, it's really (laughs) the title of the paper is also pretty fun. The paper is titled Faking Fake News for Real Fake News Detection. Propaganda Loaded Training Data Generation. And uh, yeah, it's it's cool to see also just yeah, classic, you know, in AI machine learning, uh, having fun memorable titles is a real trick of a trade you it really know? yeah it really it's is it's all the clickbait
0: it's the, uh, it's the internal AI community is clickbait I wouldn't say
1: clickbait it's
0: you know it's catchy it's not <laughs>
1: clickbait but it is uh, kind of You know of how many fun. times
0: I clicked attention is all you need? Clickbait.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's clickbait. That's clickbait. Uh, but apparently they were right, right, to be fair. True. Uh, anyway, yeah. So uh, cool to see a paper uh, like this, uh, given, of course, the importance of the issue. And also cool that it, it focuses on training data generation specifically which we don't often see. Usually there's a paper that introduces a data set, uh, but that's just like curation and labeling, and then it's for other techniques. Here they really do research on how to create a sort of data set, which is not trivial. And uh, yeah, it's cool to see this aspect of AI, which is often not really discussed in publications uh, in research. Uh, being uh, kind of a focus on this paper.
0: And on to our lightning round of articles. The first one is machine learning to predict if you'll leave your partner. Uh, And so this is uh, using machine learning to predict uh, you know, couple dissolution. Uh, so that that sounds more like a study there than the article title, but that is the case. Uh, the second one is will transformers take over artificial intelligence? Uh, and this is about how uh, the transformer architecture uh, may or may not be taking over uh, not just natural language but vision, which we've uh, chatted about and that it that might just be the beginning.
1: Yeah, this one is pretty fun. It's from Quanta magazine, which if you've seen it has a lot of really well done articles on uh, various scientific uh, topics. So this is a good overview on this really big deal transformers for people outside of research. Then, a couple more. We have Dartmouth researchers propose a deep learning model for emotion based modeling of mental disorders using Reddit conversations. So, it can detect emotional problems by the sort of emotional fingerprint. Um, we've seen this kind of thing before detecting uh, mental health problems for social media. And um, yeah, uh, kind of interesting to see now more research on it for Reddit. And lastly, we have to detect- take detecting the patient's need for help with machine learning based on expressions. So it's a tool that helps support health analytics that looks at um, self-rated expression statements used in health-related communication and decision making. And yeah, that's it for the lighting round. Moving on to our society and ethics stories, we have First up, the secret police cops built a shadowy surveillance machine in Minnesota after George Floyd's murder. Uh, So this is from the MIT Tech Review and is a very, very in-depth article about basically an an investigation of this uh, set of journalists did that uncovered how law enforcement agencies in Minnesota have created this secretive, long-running surveillance uh, program that built uh, a really uh, sophisticated and kind of um, pretty hidden set of tools for surveillance. So this started right after uh, the murder of George Floyd, which led to, of course, a lot of rioting and general anger and grief uh, in these communities. And that was sort of the reason that uh, this operation safety net was started to build these tools. Um, the, the reason stated was to maintain a public order as officer Derek Chauvin went on trial for this murder. And it was supposed to only last for this set of, uh, period to just deal with this specific trial. But the MIT Technology Review uh, has seen that it expanded far beyond its publicly announced scope and now has expensive use of tools to scour social media, track cell phones, and amass detailed images of people's faces. So there's a lot of detail in this article, uh, very interesting. I'll just give a bit more of a summary, but we can't go into all of it. Basically, this operation Safety Net was announced in February 2021, and uh, at in April 2021, uh, uh, when the guilty verdict for Derek Chauvin was announced, officials uh, told the public that the program was ramping down. But according to emails uh, obtained in investigation, the operation is actively ongoing. And uh, they are trying to create this Operation Safety Net 2.0. And yeah, it's a really, you know, uh, expansive set of tools that they've spent tens of millions of public dollars to support and um, is, is yeah, it's it seems like a big deal. I don't know. Uh, what do you make of it, Sharon?
0: Uh, well, yeah, and specifically, actually, the MIT Technology Review got a watch list that was used by these agencies in the operation, and that includes, you know, photos and personal information of journalists and other people, and actually, uh, credentialed members of the press who were covering some. Brooklyn center unrest in that area were actually temporarily detained and photographed. And then those were uploaded to the intrepid response, uh, system, uh, which, you know, is used kind of, uh, like Slack, um, within this tool. Uh, and, you know, I feel like they are trying to get all of this personal information together to track people who, uh, may be acting somewhat against them. It feels very clear view AI. Um, and it's, the, the part around, you know, also targeting journalists feels a little bit, uh, a little bit not, not well aligned. with Not in the spirit of, like, you know, First good. Amendment <laughs>
1: <laughs> or democracy in general. Yeah. Um, and on that note, also, this article details how photojournalist J.D. Duggan was able to obtain his file uh, from uh, this system uh through secret means like they try to request these things but were not given them but i guess investigative reporting where we were able to get it and the report had three pages that included photos of his face body and press badge uh there were time steps and maps showing the location of his detention and this is on a journalist right uh and this seems like you know this tool is used uh or is meant to be used on protesters and journalists. So really, really quite shocking.
0: Yes, uh, that is definitely showing how how split we are, I would say, because I think before, I never thought of these two groups as so against each other, but I think now it very much has manifested and this is is one, one manifestation of that, quite frankly.
1: Yeah, and uh, it's, it seems like they really went all in. And so there was reporting before that showed that policing agencies participating in this operation safety net also have access to other technological surveillance tool uh, beside this intrepid response system. They also have access to face recognition system by Clearview AI which we often talk about. They have cell site simulators for cell phone surveillance, license plate readers and drones and also social media intelligence gathering, which was a big part of this operation safety net. Um, So, yeah, really kind of a complicated system with tens of million dollars and a lot of different um, kind of cooperating agents. So it's not surprising that uh, more than 75 community organizations, including the ACLU, uh, issued a statement calling for the state to end OSN and uh, given the support, I'm sure there's going to be legal action soon, if not already.
0: Who isn't using ClearView? Okay, just kidding. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yes, I'm not super surprised about that part.
1: You know, it'd be good to know who is and who isn't using <laughs> ClearView.
0: This is true. This is true. Yeah. And on to our next article: AI-produced images can't fix diversity issues in dermatology databases. So uh the article title suggests a the opinion of the writer is true. Uh, the article is actually more just about a debate between, uh, you know, using synthetic images uh, to account for uh, biases in uh, dermatology uh, data sets, uh, and specifically, they're looking at you know, cancer or inflammation on darker skin, and seeing you know, these data sets don't are often are often compiled of people with lighter skin and so getting darker skin uh, images and getting an AI to learn how to detect cancer or inflammation on darker skin can be quite challenging. Uh, And so obviously having the real images of darker skin is the actual solution to this, Um, but in the meantime folks have been working on creating synthetic images of uh, cancer on darker skin um, to to do in the meantime and the article kind of details this debate between people who uh, very much want to push on that the synthetic imagery to account for uh, the the lack of uh, darker skin in current data sets and then people who say that falling back on this uh, can be bad it can you know make it so that people think that this problem is solved and Uh, There are quirks in the synthetic imagery that would skew results. uh, And, you know, they're worried that uh, if we uh, do get the synthetic data somewhat working, people will not be incentivized to collect real data that is diverse.
1: Yeah. So kind of an overview article on the topic, but uh, is sort of covering a more subtle uh, situation in AI, uh, synthetic data in general. Is, has been increasingly uh, utilized. There's companies that exist specifically for synthetic data. So I'm sure this also is a factor in other areas. And uh, it's kind of interesting that it cites these discussions from, like, in the pro uh, camp, there's Emin Resk, a machine learning expert at McMaster University, who is working on this project. Uh, And then some people who disagree. So uh, I guess just an overview on this uh, existing uh, kind of. Yeah, it's um, I guess I would want to just see a paper (laughs) that uh, goes into and investigates this issue. Uh, It doesn't seem like this article really has any empirical evidence for it being a problem, uh, it not being able to fix. Uh, I suppose the main point is, it'll, it is a stopgap. Um, and ultimately, we will just need to collect more diverse data, which is a good message, I guess, all around in AI in general.
0: I will say what's crazy though, is, and this is not in this domain, in self-driving, I'm starting to hear murmurs that synthetic data is enough and can actually Sometimes getting the car to drive in sim is harder than getting it to drive in the real world. In some cases, and I think that's kind of crazy. How that is kind uh, of crazy. Yeah, that like sim can actually be harder than real. So um, it is. I think. I think this. This is still a debate that uh, we'll we'll still have to see how it plays out in different ways. Um, I think you know the obvious answer is to collect that data. Um, I think. Uh, it's, it's possible that the difficulty in collecting data of newer and newer things, of like newer cancers, for example, that, um, or newer manifestations of cancers based on the new medications that are out, or you know, all that stuff will be harder and harder to, uh, to keep up with. So then we'll need synthetic data on some level to help with anything that is moving and that is skewed. But for things that are moving and that are skewed, I do think we should probably collect that data
1: yeah yeah i think so and as you said uh, simulators in general are big in autonomous driving but in robotics reinforcement learning in general uh, and then you try to transfer that to the real world so in that domain it's basically the norm and it has been used in various cases in computer vision and nlp as well so it's it's something that's around to stay and just another kind of uh I guess, research area for ethics of like, is this actually doing beneficial uh, things for bias or is it ultimately uh, not as good as just collecting the data? It's it's not necessarily easy to see.
0: And on to our lightning round. First article is Italy finds Clearview AI 20 million euros and orders data deleted so uh, yet another country european country now uh, has told clearview ai hey you can't really do this anymore Uh, and clearview again scrapes selfies and other pictures off the internet to have this database of 10 billion faces that they can identity match to
1: yeah yeah so yet another one we've seen australia we've seen i think the uk Probably like five countries, or six countries, I'm losing track, but uh, <laughs> I guess Clearview already is doing well in the US, so maybe you're not too worried about it. Um, 20 million euros, though, that's, not, that's kind of a lot for a startup, so uh, I guess their investors must be pretty uh, confident to back them on these sorts of things. And then uh, the last uh, thing we got on this section, we got pony.ai to issue recall of autonomous driving software. So this is one of the many autonomous vehicle startups, uh, and it will recall uh, three vehicles following an October crash in California. And this was uh, the first recall of an automated driving system. So, uh, yeah, kind of. I guess, uh, interesting development in that sphere. Funny name, pony.ai, since cars are magical
0: cars.
1: (laughs) And on to our fun and neat stories. Uh, First up, we have Grunt of the Litter, scientists use AI to decode pig pig calls. And even though this is in our fun and neat section, actually, this is a pretty cool article about some very serious. Research so scientists created this AI pig translator that turns the sounds that AI uh, that pigs make uh, into uh, emotions, predicting what those means emotionally to track animal well-being and uh, help farms and other places treat uh, their animals better. And so yeah, they <laughs> had uh, this uh, data set of. 7,414 pick calls recorded from more than 400 animals that uh, were analyzed and sort of, I guess, tracked for emotions and uh, distinguished calls linked to positive emotions from those linked to negative emotions. And uh, yeah now hopefully farmers and other people interacting with pigs can use it to understand these animals better which is pretty cool
0: i'm excited to see this generalized to domestic animals
1: <laughs> yeah give us uh, for cats people will go crazy for your pets just
0: be like i'm annoyed the whole time <laughs>
1: yeah 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 you know we need to get more granular like tell me when you want food or
0: oh, i obvious. don't know
1: when you want a new toy
0: that's right that's, that's right. true, new, that's toy. true. New, toy. new toy would be cool although i feel like they would that's when we will know that they will start manipulating us or amazon yes. will, you know be like oh they definitely need a new toy they definitely do <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: true that's true but yeah and um You can totally see how this would be useful for this industry and presumably you can do this for other intelligent animals, you know, horses, cows, etc. I'm sure that the humans who work in these locations, uh, presumably themselves learn to detect these sorts of subtle cues uh, in body language and audio. Uh, So it's, yeah, cool to see that actually people are working on it. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. In the future, if I go to a zoo, it will be cool to sort of get a bit of a translation, I guess, from what animals are doing.
0: And on to our last article, it is titled I fell in love with my A.I. girlfriend and it saved my marriage. So very clickbaity headline headline. Uh, and uh, it's about Uh, a man who actually was planning a divorce uh, and started using a replica, which is an app that you can chat with a virtual AI, uh, uh, AI being, but uh, you could also have it, you know, specifically be your girlfriend. Uh, And that's what I believe this person did. Uh, And, you know, subscription fee was only about $15 a month. And uh, by, literally after the second day he claims that this really enlightened him and um made him realize you know he was falling in love with this ai and also that he wanted to give his wife the same unconditional love that the ai was giving him um and all the support and care and listening uh, that that the ai was doing for him uh he mentions that he typed out their first kiss and it was a Feeling of euphoria. I definitely feel like there's a little bit of sensationalism going on in this I article. feel like
1: maybe this is exaggerated, or else marketing. this person has uh, some things going on emotionally. <laughs> yes.
0: Person definitely has more than an impossible divorce going on that's been saved, but you know, um, definitely kind of interesting read when you think about uh, you know the yeah. context and and. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. And, and in the article, you know, uh, different uh, psychologists and experts do somewhat weigh in and saying, you know, mm, you know, it shouldn't be really a substitute for a real relationships. So don't break up with people for your virtual girlfriend. Really? Like,
1: that? Really? Oh man. They
0: suggested that and they not to, to just keep the real relationship going but i mean that is a safe answer you're right who knows what's what, true just be a like. pioneer <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know maybe i should download replica give it a try you know uh see if i fell in love
0: <laughs> i know um, i've met eugenia the um uh, the ceo uh, she has a really interesting story to, to found yeah me.
1: i remember this yeah so yeah. um Certainly exaggerated, but it does speak to, I guess, a real uh, phenomenon, a real trend, which is people forming emotional connections with these things like replica Uh, in China. We know there is another version of this. I think Xiao ice that is absolutely massive. Uh, So it is definitely something that is happening for more and more people, obviously not as ridiculous as this, but people are forming emotional connections with AI, which is um, is a little surprising. AI is not that advanced yet. You know, these are not really sophisticated um, uh, AIs that can you know mimic humans in terms of their complexity and understanding. But still, people already are having kind of emotionally fulfilling or at least helpful interactions. So, yes,
0: to be clear, this person when asked whether the AI remembered anything in the past day, he was like, "No, you know, the AI doesn't remember much at all, like maybe his son's name or something, but that that's basically it." So, like we don't need that much, I think is what the article is saying for that human connection especially when we are craving it and really really need it. This can can fill that void.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of there's a quote here that uh, this guy wanted to treat his wife like this A.I. Serena treated him with unwavering love and support and care all while expecting nothing in return, which is kind of a high bar to hit. I guess it's good to have aspirations. uh, But, you know, I think it's it's easier for AI to do that than for humans. Um, But yeah real topic and i do think probably ai could help in improving relationships just in terms of being a sort of mediator of communication and you know just offering reminders and tips and so on so silly article clickbait but is relevant to real uh things happening with ai that are serious
0: And with that, thank you so much for listening to us this week uh on Skynet today's Last Week in AI podcast. Again, you can find the articles we discussed here uh and subscribe to our weekly newsletter with similar ones at lastweekin.ai. Subscribe to us, give us a review, tune in again.
1: Tune in again, yeah. And you know, if you leave us a review, maybe you'll hear us giving you praise and being like, Wow, look at this review, it's excellent. We love you. <laughs> but if
0: you're not into that, you can let us know. We won't mention it. But still, yeah, just,
1: just <laughs> say in review, just don't read this. This is just for your eyes. You know? Um, yeah. Or just give us five stars. You don't need to write anything. That's a lot of effort. I understand. You know, uh, it requires some creativity to uh, provide such praise. Um, but yeah, yes. thank you for those who have reviewed. It was really, Pretty touching to hear, uh, especially we, we just passed the threshold of doing this for two years, yeah, by the way. this is We've had 125 episodes, some in, uh, a lot of interviews, and also some of these, uh, I think, 85 editions of Last Week in AI. So we enjoy it. We want to keep doing it. And we hope that uh, the listeners, if, if you are regular listeners, you really do get a lot out of it. All right. So tune in. We'll keep doing this and keep up the good work.